before we get started with this episode with Siona, just some business. If you would like to support the show, please follow us on Instagram, instagram.com forward slash magical podcast. Uh, subscribe and share the show. Rate us on Apple Podcasts. Um, and you can also find us on Patreon. Uh, we just got done with our recent journey. We are now through three elements right now. Uh, we had a really good one, Journey to the North. Uh, and we will be having our final journey with the elements this November. So come join us at patreon.com forward slash magical podcast. Thank you all so much. Magical Relatives. This is your host, Paul V. And Jessica. And we brought back a, a guest that we really enjoyed having uh, last, what was it, June? Yeah. Good. Welcome back, Siona. Hey. Hey, everyone. Hello. We're so excited to talk to you again. I know that the last time you were on, we kind of mentioned um, Fet Gede. And so it's about that time, and we wanted you to come back on and talk about that. So we're really excited. It's very timely. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Some magical times we're in this month, for sure. Lots of lots of changes happening, both symbolic and physical. So this is the perfect time to, to talk about Fegge Day, the Haitian holiday, um, and it's in, uh, it's in the memory of of the the dead. Um, It is celebrated uh, November 1st and November 2nd um, in the calendar year, um, traditionally, um, which also corresponds with All Saints Day and Dias Morte, the Day of the Dead in in Mexican culture, as well as Samhain. It's it's fantastic that we get to bring this up and get another perspective, death rituals. And so is it at that time of year, because, I mean, do is it still with the same thought of we're doing it right now at this time of year because the veil is thin? I think so. I think that there's, there's uh, this close connection because the veil is thin. We've also got the equinox happening. And we see the physical change. We see um, everything that we've reaped over the past year start to decay and we start to preserve ourselves and go inward and the seeds are going uh you know into deeper into the ground and they're becoming dormant and we're becoming more dormant you know we're staying indoors more it's getting darker earlier all those yummy things as the seasons change um, we're seeing the leaves begin to change color and so when we think about that we are very closely associating those physical and outward signs with the life process or the human experience of death. Right. The season mm-hmm. right now is bringing us to that, that part of the cycle. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is my favorite season. Has been all of my life. <laughs> watching, watching everything change in color. And um, I mean, spring being my second favorite season. So you can mm-hmm. see the rebirth. But yeah, I'm glad that that you, I, I forget about it sometimes. Uh, the yeah. cycle. The cycle. You know, we, we're just so happy that when winter is over, we think of, you know, everything is springing up and it's beautiful and there's pinks and purples and greens and light greens just budding and blooming. And now we've got, you know, this beautiful closure to that 
that part of the season, the golds, the browns, the reds, the rusts, the, you know, the oranges, the, you know, the darkness and the purples starting to creep in and the chill in the air. Um, I love, I love fall. Being yeah, in it's like a sunset season. Yeah, it really is. It is. Yeah. You know, the rise and the demise. And so, you know, while we, people are always, people always has to have this hesitation when darkness approaches. Um, you know, I've been doing a lot of work with the goddess of night and uh, darkness. And uh, especially during this time of year, I think of Persephone and Kor and um, those, those tales. And I think of other other tales um, that are very prevalent around this time of year. And as we get ready to, to really honor that part of ourselves uh, and think about, you know, what we've accomplished when we could spend, you know, more livelier times uh, in the summer and meeting people. Um, we didn't have that this year so much because of COVID. But yes, this time of year, people are much more facing, I think death is, is something that feels like it's been with us all year. Um, many people that I've spoke with in the magical community, community have talked about seeing Santa Muerte. Um, they've talked about seeing Mama, you know, Mama Brigitte, as well as other signs of, of um, this, this death, this goddess of death. And so being, being present, I think, helps us to, especially in the magical community, know that this is a part of the process. This is a part of the uh, death and rebirth process. And it may feel scary as darkness approaches, but that's where the magic happens. You know, we were born in a pretty dark, you know, dark environment. And uh, we come from the earth, which is a substance and material that is very dark and we have hope that we'll see the light, you know, at the end of the, that. And, um, and it's also important in honoring that life that we remember our ancestors and we remember those who came before us um, or those who have passed away. And so I am feeling that this particular year, especially people have felt lost in one way or another. And this is, a way of recognizing it and commemorating it and moving forward. Oh, that sounds beautiful. It's nice. I mean, it's it's such an important thing to remember that so many good things can come from the dark um, and the rest that you receive in the dark and how important the dark is for everybody. And so I, I like the imagery of, of, of the dark, not just associated with sometimes I think it gets associated with like things that are bad. And so um, I like talking about how important it is to be in the dark and feel the dark and how you can see things differently when you do. And I think it's really exciting to talk about it with kind of honoring, honoring all of the stuff that's been, all of the people who have passed, all of our ancestors and moving forward with them. I like the idea of the forward momentum or kind of like the flow of water from Mm. one place to another from one cycle to another absolutely absolutely so tell us about so what is what is fecaday or and what is it to you so fecaday literally means celebration of the ancestors or feast of the ancestors and it's tradition it hails from from haiti and during this this feast um what happens is Normally there is a gathering uh, of people. This this includes usually relatives or people who are in the same same house or um, spiritual community, and it's a procession that goes into to the cemetery. Um, there is drumming, there is dancing, there is the bringing of food. There are rituals associated with it, and the various g'day, um which which our honored today, there are there are ancestors um, who have passed. Um, there is the Baron and the Baroness. Um, they are usually personified in in Voodoo 
Um, we have Maman Brigitte, who is um, in the graveyard, presented by the first woman who was buried in the graveyard. And then the first male who was buried is known as the Baron. He, both of them um, have this, this family, it's sort of this family of adopted children who are known as the Gide. The Gide themselves have usually been personified, you know, or, or shown as these, these beings who are our ancestors or aspects of ourselves. And they, they are, are hilarious. Um, they are, in my opinion, they are your ancestors where they're the black sheep of the family. They are the ruckus makers, the troublemakers, you know, this, and the reason why that they're so cool in my opinion is because oftentimes we like to remember the dead in, in, in ways where it's just like, oh, they, you know, they were just so sweet and they, they were humble pie. And, and really the story is that make us interesting are the stories of of our hijinks you know of the trouble that we got into or the bravery that we expressed and um in my opinion um the reason why i i love celebrating this particular holiday is because it really that's really what life is life is about all the all the beautiful triumphs and mistakes and but all the emotions and all the crazy that has that happens in between and um and they're the personification of that in many ways when you go to a party you want to hang out who do you want to hang out with right (laughs) i want to hang out with the troublemakers they're the ones (laughs) patterns yeah right that's where the action is right you don't want to be sitting at the dinner table and just you know pretending to be something you're not no you are you want to be you want to be with your people you know the people who know you best the people who've seen you at your lowest and who have also you know mocked you when you've when you've done something incredibly stupid because those are the people that truly have your back those are the people that love you and those are the people that you get your your silliness from people that can um be themselves without shame mm-hmm. that's the best kind of person right <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly no so yeah so one of the ways that you know we celebrate or and how i celebrate is there's a visit to the cemetery um and I've, uh, I've posted on uh, House of Twigs um, a couple of rituals as well as some remedies and things that, um, that I've done in my practice. But traditionally speaking, in this veneration, um, one of the, the interesting things is the consumption of uh, and, and or the donation of rum. Rum in, in the West Indian culture is very important. It's uh, it wasn't only used for commerce, but it was also used in a lot of our ritual work. And I prepare um, pimen, which is which is basically a, a drink that consists of Scotch bonnet peppers, which are a, a relative of the habanero pepper, extremely extremely hot. Um, and uh, you would also uh, create this concoction, and you let it sit with the rum, with white rum for over 21 days. And so I do this in the beginning of October. You are not to ever drink this. Warning, people who are listening <laughs> to this do not drink this concoction. You will burn your stomach irreparably and probably injure yourself. And you bring this as a dinner because they like fire, you know? These are the ancestors who are, are known for having a lot of heat and, and that heat and that fire is, is part of that passion, that burning, that burning feeling um, that you have if you've ever drank like maybe Captain Morgan's um, spiced rum or, or something that was peppery. Um, that really activates um, the work that you're doing. Uh, and so I leave a donation of that. Um, I bring cigars. Um, I try to bring the best that I can bring. And I also bring candles and flowers. Now, in the cemetery, 
there's tons of rules no matter where you are. Um, so when you go in, it's very important that, you know, you understand that the things that you bring there, you may not get back again. And it's probably not going to stay past a few days because the caretakers will come and clean it up. But they, they're, they're well aware usually of the hijinks that ritualists are up to. Um, (laughs) and so, but they're with wind and weather, things get scattered around and so they keep the property clean. So it's very important, I think, if you bring things that they're biodegradable or if you do your ritual that you take them with you and dispose of them properly. Um, there's some really great tips on, on how to dispose on of, uh, of ritual items in uh, Stephanie Rosebird's uh, Stick, Stones, Roots and Bones. I really like a lot of the sustainable references that she makes there. And I would definitely say that overall, when you're doing your ritual, to to be cognizant that people are, might might stop and stare, and they'll ask you questions, and you have every right to tell them to please give you some space um, while you're while you're doing your your ritual. Um, you would need to traditionally you would find the um, first man and woman who were buried in the cemetery and you would go to the gravestone you'd leave your offerings there I tend to also be me being not originally from Portland I um, have had the privilege of going on tours in a cemetery nearby me and understanding who's buried where and I leave gifts and and remembrance items um, for um, those stories that I think um, really resonate with me. If you can, it's great to pay a visit to your own relative. If you're in a cemetery, if you if they're in a cemetery or burial site nearby, but also feel free to also do your homework. Um, for example, in Greenwood Cemetery in Brooklyn, Jean Michael Besquiat is uh, buried there, and that that's really gets a lot of attention during this time of year on um, that gravestone and, and anyone else who um, I think resonates with your story. Well, and I saw, I mean, there are a lot, depending on what city you're in, there are a lot of cities that will have really cool cemetery guided visits. Like uh, mm-hmm. for example, one in Portland is the pioneer cemetery it has a really good one and they have events there sometimes around Halloween and they'll show everybody um, different tombstones. And I know that also in Portland, there is a oh, lone oh, fur, I think as well. It's a popular. Yeah. 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 Um, like guides dressed in like period clothing. Uh, I thought that that was pretty interesting. <laughs> of course. I've been to one of those in Massachusetts, too, and one in Pennsylvania. So I just, you know, if it's something, just to add in here, if it's something that people are interested in, um, look it up in your your neighborhood and see if any of the historical societies are doing anything, especially at this time of year. Absolutely. You don't have to, you know, wait till till this particular holiday to do something that's of importance to you. And something that resonates with you and, and helps you to um, work with your ancestors more. Yes, the veil is, is thin um, this time of year, um, but you also um, should feel empowered to get familiar with your town and your community and how they respect their dead. So tell me how, tell me about how you were introduced mm-hmm. to Fagaday. Mm-hmm. So I was introduced when I was really young to Fekaday. Um, one of my godmothers, she passed away this year. Um, her name was Maud. And um, my godmother, Maud, um, is of Haitian descent. Um, she and my mother were friends since high school. Uh, my family is of, of Jamaican descent. And, um, you know, there were a bunch of West Indian girls living in, in Queens, New York. And she took me under her wing when I was younger. Occasionally, you know, I'd have sleepovers and I remember waking up and hearing drums um, one night at her house. And um, me and my sister um, who were sleeping over, we woke up in the middle of the night and we kind of followed, we went through her house and we kind of followed the sound of the drums and we quietly, quietly like little mice, we just stood at the top of the stairs and we saw, you know, a Haitian ritual happening and 
um, me and my sister, we didn't know what it was. So we like quietly snuck back to our beds and like kept whispering, oh my gosh, she's going to eat us. I don't know what's happening. You know, it wasn't part of, you know, it wasn't, that wasn't part of like my own household. But um, I laughed. Uh, I laugh now because, you know, when my, when I got home to my mom the following day and I explained to her what I said, my mom was like, that's it. That's a normal Haitian ritual. This is, this is the holiday and this is the season. Um, and that's like, and I was like, what does it mean? And it's like, well, you remember how, you know, um, how we went to the funeral home and there was, um, you know, a celebration or a morning. Well, some people, they celebrate, they, they celebrate it yearly. And my godmother had offered to, to take me um, to a celebration and I was able to, to witness it. Um, when I've got, when I got older, um, the majority of my family got into Christianity more and um, my godmother as well, still honoring certain holidays and, and feast days but there was a bit of a separation there. And when I felt like I was old enough and of age, you know, I asked her more about um, these, these type of, of celebrations. And she explained to me much more in deep. And she's like, the veneration and the remembrance of our, our relatives, it's, it's not only the relatives, but it's also the revolution um, that Haiti had gone through. It's also the celebration of life and the, the triumph over death, meaning that um, what's so important in, in many of these cultures is not only, you know, family, but also having children because the old elders eventually pass away and who keeps the memory and how the bloodline continues on is through the future generations. And so that future generation's responsibility is to also honor the sacrifices of, of your elders and in honoring them, them and really truly honoring them for who they were, not saints, but savvy, troublemakers, runaways, um, freedom fighters, uh, partiers, life livers. Um, in honoring that and, and remembering it, we remember that someday we are going to die. Um, and that someday, um, we don't know when that someday will be. And so thus it's very important for us to make sure that our stories are so interesting that people remember them, that future generations remember them. And that we um, call you know, we remember the that person's name, and in remembering their name, um, we remember their story, and we tell that story over and over again. And with African history and African tradition always being an oral tradition um, for the longest, uh, telling a story has so much power. Um, and in in that story, that's why we remember, you know, Nancy and the, the Mama Bridget and and whether you believe in Christ or um, Buddha or, or any religion, the reason why we remember those names and why they come up in pop culture is that amount of power, that immortality really is in memory. And that's how you live on after your body has gone. And so having, having that explained to me and having learned that over time, um, you know, I've actively seeked out, like, how do I participate in, in Fetke Day? How do I participate in my rituals of remembering the dead? Um, it's much more for me than just an altar or going to a cemetery. Um, it is a, a part of a daily practice because when you remember where you came from, I think it gives you a lot more strength and a lot more resilience. Um, because you know what you're made of. Yeah, I love this. I, I love the idea of Fetgede and the idea that you're honoring ancestors and these ancestors happen to be the ones who are freedom fighters, right? Mm -hmm. um, the people that are responsible for their like following generations of, of, of people being able to do because 
Well, am, am I wrong that this has to do to also with like um, Haitians got what like fighting for their independence? Absolutely, it's right. uh, this is definitely part of it. So many, you know, so many Haitians died uh, fighting for their independence in in not only recent history but in 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 slavery and you know um this is part of remembering where they came from what's so interesting about uh, haitian culture is that they are one of the cultures um black cultures that have retained um a lot of the ritualism from africa you know despite having you know been under the stronghold of slavery that they were able to retain um, so much of that um, memory and so much of those rituals. Um, so that's definitely a part of it to answer your question. Yeah, I read somewhere that that um, some Haitians attribute their their independence and rebellion as as a direct result of their religious practices in that country, giving empowering them and not um, being to and so them using those practices, mm-hmm. empowering themselves, um, what helped them move forward or you know move into an independent country. Um, Absolutely, France, absolutely. Yeah. Same with like in Jamaican culture, um, we have um, you know we have that same um, mythos where it was through the power of, of ritual and through obia, um, it, in, it enabled the, um, it, it, it enabled the, the revolution to happen by strengthening the fighters and giving them and making it so that their bodies were um, not harmed by any weapon from their slaveholders, masters. And it's quite it's quite interesting um, uh, that myth as well. I love it. I love it so much. It's it's mm-hmm. the, the idea that that these um, groups of people were able to use religion to their benefit instead of it being co opted by a larger group for that you know like the government for the government's benefit. It's of it's like the actual idea of of people for people. <laughs> like they are wow, using... that sounds so crazy for people of people for people come on <laughs> they are the ones doing the work for themselves and they are the ones creating and manifesting well it's freedom. something about people being united under a cause not only like yeah. you know when you see people whether they're united under a cause or a religion they're so much stronger and that strength comes from your belief system you know enabling you to believe whether you know whether you're wrong or right about your beliefs but you know is a whole nother topic but if you and a group of people firmly believe in something that idea the power of an idea is just so powerful that it's it it almost gives you this invincibility when you want to achieve something that you firmly believe in i love it i love that um community the power of community to protect themselves mm-hmm. um with you know in practices not in in actual practice <laughs> i mean absolutely you think you when you know in in times of whether we're talking about primal times or tribal times slavery times Magic and that knowledge, whether it's knowledge of herbs, knowledge of the spirit world, those traditions, and and not only in Native American culture and African culture and other um, cultures, it was it was a belief system that was accessible to you, no matter which you know, whether you're rich or you're poor, if you didn't have money to go to a doctor, you had to know what herbs would get rid of your headache, you know, or what would stop the bleeding more importantly. Um, and, and your faith system, you know, were for whether it was, you know, your psychology or your mentality, your mentality or your spirit, those healing practices or those defense practices were there to protect you and to protect you know your means of getting what you deserved as a person 
uh, a living, breathing person, you deserve the right um, to have the best life that you can. And so those practices all put together meant survival. And, um, and going through something that's very painful, you don't necessarily have any physical resources available to you. And what you do have um, then has to come straight from in within you. And, um, and then that way, and in knowing that if your physical body passes from this life to the next, then you realize that, that that is temporary, that your situation, your physical situation is temporary. Um, and therefore your spirit, um, being able to pull that energy, um, without having the physical means to necessarily sustain it, um, if you obtain that strength, then that is proof that there is um, something more um, and, and something within you um, that, is, um, that is totally separate from your physical self. Yeah, and, and it just it makes me think about how like the cornerstone of all of these practices is gratitude and veneration for those that came before you and allowed you to. So it's, it's not individualistic. It is um, so much bigger than one individual. And it is, is honoring everything that happened before you that is a part of also is a part of you. Um, So it is like such a cool, I, it feels so grounding that you're like doing all of these things to give gratitude to what came before you. And that is how you were building the practice. And instead of it being about you and about the person, it's about all of those that struggled before you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, one simple ritual that I think that anybody can do um, is the idea of speaking the name of your ancestor. And that's something else or, or those who've passed. Um, for me, you know, um, I've lost about four very close people this year um, in my life. And um, while we don't, while, while they weren't directly COVID related, um, I feel like uh, a lot of the, um, the illness um, or the, um, or the plague of COVID prevented so many people from at getting something that was so important, which was the ability to be present with their family members at the time of their departing out or, you know, or their transition or being able to simply attend, you know, funerary practices. And what I think is very important or one way to remember them is not only to you know, put up, you know, photos of those loved ones around you, um, but also to say their name. Um, saying the name is something that is very powerful, um, I feel. As you've seen in uh, the Black Lives Matter community um, and, and the protests that have gone um, out, um, you've seen, for example, Breonna Taylor, there are posters that say, say her name. And because in saying her name, you're doing something very powerful for that spirit. You are remembering them. You're not letting them die in vain. You're not letting them fade into memory. Um, It's very easy for us to forget uh, that the power of a name. Uh, And when someone has passed on, one of the ways that remembering them is so key is by speaking their name. I think many people don't even remember the name of their great-great-grandparents, you know, unless you've you, you've um, grown up in a family where you're uh, George Washington the fifth um, <laughs> or, or something, you know, where you've, everybody, you've kept the same names going for generation and generation. And I think that there's um, a very... Uh, key element to that because when you when you speak the the names of those folks um, who 
who are dear to you, you remember them. You start calling up memories of them. You start attaching stories to them. And if you keep telling their stories, they live on. And so it's very empowering, I feel. And I think that even right now, I I dare anyone who's listening to call the name of an ancestor or call the name of your friend who had passed away um, prematurely uh, and remember them. If tears come, if feelings of joy or ecstasy or what have you appear, honor that. And... um, and do it often and do it frequently and and um, keep that with you. I just love this conversation because it's like I always feel like when I'm calling when I'm calling ancestors mm-hmm. and I'm empowering them and it's empowering, uh, you know, a being that, you know, wants what's good for me and will reciprocate that. And also, you know, you want that for your descendants. We're honoring not only the ones that came before us, but we're working on honoring the ones that will come in the future Mm -hmm. Mm yeah but uh i was curious as to so you had a you know you're especially like if people aren't so you know it's it it is so important to like develop uh, some sort of communication with your ancestors but you know there like there is that risk not all ancestors are well and you had a, a ritual practice that you taught at queen meb last year a, like a cord cutting thing uh practice mm-hmm. correct right yeah. and, and now what is the importance of the cord cutting practice so the the cord cutting practice in particular uh involved the importance of it is is paying reverence to how that ancestor may have benefited you. Remember, I think that some ancestors are, uh, people people aren't perfect. And um, they had ideals of their time. Um, they had uh, prejudices of their time. They had <laughs> made choices of their time um, because that's what, that's part of who they were. Um, but also part of who they were were, we're also survivors and um, some of, you know, and in, and if you've come from them, something that they did allowed you to be here, whether that was simply having sex, <laughs> but, um, you know, their ability to keep themselves alive managed to help keep you alive in some way. Um, and that served you. And I think that there's a moment of acknowledgement of that. Um, there's a moment of, um, letting go some of the pain that you may feel associated um, there is, with them. There is the element of facing um, that element from them that is inside of you and is part of you. And you calling it up and you um, deciding to part with it because it's no longer serving who you want to be and where you want to go and, and who you want to be remembered as. And some of it may even be, uh, you know, pain. There might be some shadow work that you have to turn and face and say, wow, these deep-seated beliefs or, you know, this trespass that my ancestor is causing my future life to to be hell on earth. Um, And so part of that ritual is to... um, have a moment of acknowledgement and um, burning. And then um, in that particular ritual, um, part of the process of that letting go um, is a uh, baptism through smoke followed by um, the discarding of the ashes and the remnants of, of that or the symbolic remnants of that in the graveyard. And uh, I give that um, to the barons um, to take away, um, put back into the earth, um, and to and to remove it um, out of out of people's lives. Um, some people believe that that felt like an exorcism. <laughs> um, some people reached out to me and and um, told me that it just it really helped them to realize how much work that they have ahead of them um, to do because. When you remove something, I believe that 
yeah, it's great that it's removed, but there's usually some sort of void that needs to be filled or some lessons that you need to replace that with, you know, what goes in that space now, um, right. you know, that, that, that part of you. Um, and in that removement in, and in that, in that removal ceremony, um, and taking those ashes, um, in, in addition with it, it, my offering to the Gede and the Barons, as well as um, the dearly, the dearly departed, um, you know, I I ask, um, I ask them to, um, he, you know, send through uh, healing, um, but also thank them um, for for creating this, you know, this this part of humanity. And, uh, and moving it forward. And do you talk about Maman Brigitte um, when you do your rituals too? Could you tell us a little bit about her significance or the significance of, of that? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So Maman Mama Brigitte or Mother Brigitte. So um, she's also synchronized with uh, like uh, Saint Brigitte, which is a... Uh, um, an Irish um, ancestor, um, especially in uh, New Orleans culture. Um, she um, is also synchronized with Oya um, and uh, in, in, in voodoo culture. And, and uh, um, she's, she's got red hair. Um, she is um, this uh, sort of, this sort of like, queen of her own domain you know she is just get it done she is action she is transcendence um she is fire um and she is you know uh she she's she's in she's wealthy she's 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 just this kind of I feel like spiritual badass, you know. Um, the reason why is because she um, usually she she is venerated because um, in the in the pantheon of the dead, um, the different gede have different the different have different responsibilities, and she is known to to be the person who takes your soul and she walks you to the next you know she is that she is the active embodiment of transition um and so there's there's different the different gaday themselves for example people may talk about papa legba and um the crossroads um that he guards and he's synchronized with the legua and what the crossroads is, is is all about that transition. Where are you going to go next? And in in uh, Haitian voodoo in particular, it is said that, and in New Orleans voodoo, Maman Brigitte is also, you know, she she gets your soul from the mysterious water of of the universe, and she brings it back, and she shows you where you're going to go next. And I think that there's just something visually beautiful when I think about that and so mysterious and deep and if you were to you know I feel like if you were to ask a favor of any of these of these uh, uh, loa that you you better hold up your end of the bargain (laughs) people do graveyard work and you know there's a lot of there's a lot of different work that people do with um, with graveyard dirt or, or or earth and you know, when you go into a graveyard, before you go in, um, you leave an offering of coins, um, usually, and you have your intuition in your practice and it lets you know if you're accepted and you're able to go in. Um, once you go in and you're doing a petition, you know, you have to be very cognizant that many, many um, cultures believe that the graveyard should only be visited for when you're going to bury someone and only for a certain amount of time do you go there and then you only go there for like once a year um and the reason why is because in their in their belief system 
the dead, the, the cemetery is the place for the dead. And if you're alive, you don't belong in the cemetery. End of story. And if you keep visiting it, then you're inviting spirits to take, uh, maybe some who may not have your best interest at heart, to take interest in you. And um, I've heard of stories of, you know, um, of groundskeepers going home and finding that some spirits have followed them home, you know, and that might not be the outcome that you want. So having a very respectful nature when you go um, is super important. While tours, I don't think are necessarily a bad thing. I don't think that, I think that when you are going with any intent to ask um, for a favor or to do specific ritual work, that um, your head and your heart have to be in the right space. Absolutely. I think that is such a, a good reminder that we're not running out there asking for favors without giving, I think, due reverence, gratitude, um, knowing that the thing that you're asking for is um, something that you should be asking for. <laughs> Um, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's good to remember. And it's not just, um, I don't think that people should take that on lightly as <laughs> what I'm hearing. And, I, and that's how I feel. I feel like you should always be really respectful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, yeah, some really good books, you know, I recommend, um, for instance, one by my godmother, which is um, that I've read uh, a long time ago, was a uh, voodoo um, and Afro, um, you know, Afro Caribbean paganism is very good. Um, I'd also recommend um, she has a newer one, which is uh, the Orishas, goddesses, and voodoo queens. That also has really, um, really good rituals, and I think like a very good overview of of um, some of the practices that uh, occur um, and and great ways to create offerings, particularly um, if you wish to, to work with um, those specific uh, loa. We have that book here as well, and I think that definitely if people are interested and and um, and looking into this kind of stuff that they should definitely get that book because there's a lot of good and cool rituals in there. Some for like everyday stuff, like baths and, you know, ritual baths and stuff. Mm -hmm. And some for, for not every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes you just, you just need a good bath, you know, <laughs> you just need to get clean. You know? It's great. great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fun one. Um, and, you know, what, I, what I'd what i say is, uh, to your point, just keep up with people should definitely um, consider having, you know, an altar or even on a mantle, um, some way of remembering their dad. Um, cook this season, you know, like cook your favorite home foods and cook if you remember your your loved one's favorite foods cook it for them and and i'd say bring it to the graveyard um and or or in a portion of it you know a, a spiritual plate um prepare it for them and, and leave it out or put it in a place in your home and, and light um you know a small candle um and remember them if you're if you're more in tune with the the church and have that as part of your spirituality you know, participate in those events. I think that it's very clearing and it, it helps you to move on. And um, moving on in meaning that it could put away some of, I think, the painful parts of losing a loved one and it can help you refocus on the joy. Um, I love when I think of my grandmother, I think of a person who cracked jokes during someone's wake. You know, like you would have all of us in stitches. And so as the poor pastor has to listen to my family snicker and laugh as he's trying to, you know, give part of like the eulogy or the sermon, you know, my grandmother would be in the back, like cracking jokes about, you know, the pastimes of someone who had passed away. And now um, when that memory comes up, I'll hear like, 
and I, I, I love telling this story. I usually, my grandmother's favorite movie was Dirty Dancing. She <laughs> loved Patrick Swayze. Loved She him. had very good taste. She so very good taste. And she would play this fucking movie. I mean, all the time. And to the point where she, it, like me and my sister, choreographed the dance scene together. Um, and so when I hear that song, I had the time of my life. Like when it comes on, I immediately think of her. So if there's music, especially that I think, um, don't be surprised that if you hear that song in on the radio or you're, I feel like that's one of the ways that um, the spirit world also communicates, at least with me. I think it's true for other people. When you start talking about them, you hear their favorite song or a song that you remember sharing with them. Um, I think that if you play that music, you invite them in and you invite them to come a bit closer and you can talk to them and remember their stories. And, and that's just a great way to do it. Yeah. We, um, Paul and I had a friend who passed away a few years ago and there was this song that would come up that um, we used to sing in karaoke all the time. Well, actually <laughs> such a lie. We weren't in karaoke. We were just at a bar and it would come on. <laughs> And we will all sing as if we were in karaoke, <laughs> singing at the top of our lungs, enjoying Great. ourselves. Great. And for for like at least a year or two, every time I heard that song, I would cry. Well, and now, <laughs> yeah, um, and now I can listen to it, and it makes me think of him, and it's so nice, and um, and I love thinking about him, and that now it's not so so painful. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul and I do also, um, we don't have a cemetery near us that any of our ancestors mm-hmm. are buried in. Um, however, we do have an ancestor altar um, mm-hmm. that takes up a large part of a room in our house. Um, and I always leave cigarettes for my grandma mm-hmm. because she was a bit of a firecracker as well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was a kid. She would sit on the porch smoking cigarettes and talking about when I die, you can just put my ashes in the cigarette tin. I'm like, okay. And so now I have like a tin, a tobacco tin um, in my room as an altar for my, you know, and uh, some cigarettes. Uh, we That didn't actually happen. They didn't put her ashes in like a tobacco tin, but um I do think of her every time I see them and I put have them around um, just so I can think of her and kind of her funny uh, heck yeah. sayings. And- <laughs> yes, yes. And that's it, you know, and that's it. That's the spirit of Fekidet. That is the, those, that's the spirit of the G'day. It's the, um, you know, it's the real, like, it's the life. It's, it's, true life it's the true joy of um of those who have passed on um you know all the all the craziness and so yeah yeah i'm so happy that you know we've gotten to share that today yeah i really yeah thank you for coming on and and talking about this i I really i mean personally i feel like a lot more reverence for the crossroads Mm. like sort of the power behind it and why it's such a good place to make some trades. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely have some, I definitely want to go visit my local cemetery and uh, leave some coins. Yeah. I think that <laughs> it's a good idea. It's a good idea. You know, um, sit a while in there and just, yeah. 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 I was lucky last uh, year in my, mm-hmm. the town where we live now, my fifth grader had a field trip to our local like pioneer cemetery. Mm-hmm. So I got to go on a little, like they gave us a map of all the things. And so I got to lead a bunch of kids to the cemetery looking for all these, like the first two people. And I didn't really, now I know it in my head with the little map. So I know that we can go back and leave an offering for the first two people. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I got some rum. <laughs> we, we leave the good rum on our ancestor altar all the time. <laughs> so uh, let's 
so yeah, again, thank you for coming on. Let's let's talk. Let's let's plug some stuff. So what are what are you up to? What's going on? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we have this awesome um, Yule event that's going to be hosted by Priestess Power uh, Exchange. Um, they're really, really, really cool group. We've got an Instagram, which is Priestess Power Exchange, um, and you can also find us on Facebook. Um, we are getting geared up for the holidays, and we will be holding a, a sort of night festival um, online um, where um, different contributors can um, and different uh, vendors are going to be showcasing their wares, and we're going to be celebrating Yule. Um, and so that's going to be really cool. And then we're going to have an event in the spring, um, which is going to be a divination um, event um, where we have different people who are um, practitioners in, in tarot and um, all sorts of readings happening. So we really um, would love for you to, to join us. And you can definitely, and you again, you can find out more information at Priestess Power Exchange. Um, dot com, um, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, I believe. Um, that should be up by this weekend. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's going to have some really fun folks from um, New Orleans and myself from out here on the West Coast, um, as well as uh, the Northeast. We've got some cool folks from Brooklyn and the Bronx joining um, and uh, it's going to be a good time. So we're looking forward to sharing with that, uh, with the overall community, um, that little tidbit. So we're going to have some really cool guest stars um, from the magic community um, there. Um, so it's really great if you're looking to, to meet someone or to um, network. Um, and uh, yeah, just more. That's learn. so exciting because <laughs> encompasses so much for so many different kinds of people and so it's so it's so exciting for people to be exposed to all these different ideas and different ways to to um, do things uh, just looking at the way everybody does things differently I think that's really eye-opening and so for people that want to learn more definitely go and sign up on Instagram so that you can get, and you don't have to worry, you know, you'll just get it in your feed <laughs> and information when it's coming up. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And look out for my future posts at uh, house of twigs. So that'll be lots of cool stuff happening um, this season. So lots of incubating and lots of growing and rebirth of things. So I'm excited, guys, and I can't wait to talk to you guys again. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm really excited, too. This is my favorite season. Um, I am... Um, I, I am ready to kind of have like a, a, a shutdown for winter um, to do like the seasonal, like really like kind of getting into that, like being here with my family um, and figuring out, you know, moving, like looking at in my mind about what steps we're going to take versus me rushing around. So I'm, I'm excited. I think that there's so much cool and fun stuff coming up in the winter. I'm so excited for the, um, the Yule celebration and thank you yeah, so much yeah. for I'll, coming to talk with us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's be real. We all love this season because we can't get enough of this pumpkin latte business, you know? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I just, I bake, I, I, I bake like a kombucha squash every what? other day. <laughs> I'm driving to Eugene. Get some of that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I know we're, re we're into it. We're really into this season. Yeah, <laughs> it's all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Yeah, thank you again so much for coming on. I'm I, I'm just really excited to have somebody bringing in your magic to the Northwest. It's super cool. Oh, thank you, thank you so much, Paul. Thank you so much, guys, and everybody. Don't forget to go vote. <laughs> all righty. All right, take care, guys. Bye. Before we close out, we'd like to promote Lilith Dorsey's new book. Now, Lilith joined us on a few episodes back. Lilith is out with a new book, Water Magic. This is a the first element on a four-book series on 
looking at all the magical aspects of all four elements. We cannot recommend this book enough. Uh, please go out to your local bookstore and see if they can order you a copy. That would be definitely a preference, but of course you can order it anywhere on like Amazon or anything like that. And um, thank you everyone who contributed financially to the show over the past three months. Uh, we're going to be uh, sharing our, with our Patreons uh, how much we uh, are, were able to give. And again, 100% of the proceeds are going, going to Rebel Magic Causes. And we'll be picking a new one in November because we'll be giving 100% of pro the proceeds for, through the rest of the year. And we'll reevaluate at the first of the year to see what else we would like to do. Thank you again so much for supporting the show and supporting Rebel Magic.